Hey guys, it's Alexia James, and this is Diary of a 20-something, a podcast that is going to dive into the experiences of being in your 20s and trying to figure it out. The wins, the failures, the heartaches, and the struggles with everything in between. Gabby, welcome to Diver 20 something. Um, <laughs> of course, guys, I just want to tell you all that we recorded a whole segment of this already and I did not record it, so now we're recording it again. This is me being super honest with everybody. <laughs> but this is Gabby Beckford, and she is Pax Light, a travel blogger, and I am completely obsessed with her because I love everything that she's doing in terms of travel travel blogging and still having a nine to five and it just shows you that people are real and they have jobs and they're still able to go after their passions um I know Gabby will show her personality and just how amazing she is through this episode so we're just going to jump right back into it again back again. yeah it's it's totally <laughs> so Gabby, fine I, know um, I was 17 years old when I decided so to go to Iceland I just I, I graduated Sorry. high school and I was going to college that same year. So I had like three months of summer that I didn't have know anything what I was going to do with it. So I figured before I start college, why not do something exciting that like will like motivate me to go to college and be in school again for four more years. So uh, I live in the East Coast of the United States. So I live in Washington, DC. And it's a pretty quick flight over to Iceland for me. So it's like seven hours. And I said, why not? Happy graduation, happy college. I'll just go over there and do a trip by myself. And yeah, that's why I went. So did you save up your money for the Iceland trip? Or was it like a gift from your family? Yeah, so I had, luckily, my junior and senior year of co- of, sorry, of high school, I mm-hmm. had started my own tutoring business. So I it was doing it on the side just a few hours a week, but it was enough to pay for my gas and food and stuff, but also to save up. So when I decided to go on this Iceland trip, I think the total amount it would cost was like, uh, I was there for two weeks. So I think it cost like $1,500 for two weeks. And I had already saved up $1,000. Um, so when I told my family I was going to do this, my grandma gave me $250 and my mom gave me $250. So they could help me a little bit, but I basically do all my savings to go. So one thing I know is that you also have a little bit of Caribbean roots. And of course, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago and I'm based in Jamaica. And a lot of my podcast listeners are from the Caribbean. So what is like one aspect of the Caribbean that kind of stands out in your day-to-day life? Yeah, so my father and obviously all my father's family is from Jamaica. So they're from Kingston. And in my daily life, I think just growing up, having my dad Caribbean, like knowing all the <laughs> ingredients of Jamaican food, like whenever I whenever I travel and I see Jamaicans, like you can just kind of see, you can like mean, sense yeah. it walking down the street. It's because there's, right? And it's so funny how they, even me being half, I don't, think I look like particularly like 100% Jamaican, but I'll be walking and I'll meet like, obviously, as a black person, I try to find other black people when I travel. And sometimes people like you can tell people come up to me and they're talking to me and they're just looking me up and down and like, sniff me like, they're like, are you are you Jamaican? Like they can just sense it. I'm like, how did you know? But 
that's the best part of, of yeah. being even West Indian or Jamaican is that you can like sense other people and then it's instant community. They're instantly like, oh, come to my house. Like, oh, let me show you the best spa. Like it's instant family. That. That's, it's like, awesome. When I went to Denmark, because I went there basically for like this startup pitch competition. And ironically enough, I was representing Jamaica, but of course I'm from Trinidad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the company was Jamaican. And it mm-hmm. was so interesting because everybody's like, oh my gosh, you know, you see in bolts, you know, this person. And of course you're like, oh, <laughs> but yeah. it's true. As you said, the community is always there and people are just so welcoming. And it's interesting that you mentioned because like all the different African countries and stuff, we kind of like all cliques, <laughs> which sounds mm. kind of bad, but it's just, yeah. I was also very interested in terms of their culture and language, anything that they were seeing. So that was really amazing to me. And I think that's one of my favorite things about traveling. There's so much to learn. I love I love learning as much as totally mm. geeking out here but yeah <laughs> and being able to learn from other people through their wow, cultural experiences which is why I think being in Jamaica because I've been here about four years because I came here for university and then I ended up mm. staying well I went to an internship in the states and then I came back for a job here and I love the culture and the people so much and people always say like oh there's this and in terms of negative things like crime and all these things but they're negative things everywhere and I really think it's about what positive yeah. aspects you take from it and my perspective has opened so much by living here and seeing how people just like build themselves up from different things because a lot of the opportunities that I had being Trini like my university degree was subsidized by my government because with UWE they subsidize your tuition yeah for you to attend which was part of the old government plan so a lot of people got to go to any ue within the region and got free tuition basically and then to come to jamaica and see people literally have to get jobs and then go and work and travel in the states to get money to just be able to live day-to-day life and send themselves to school it really just changed my perspective completely and i think that's also another aspect of travel that should be highlighted too in terms of people at a young age traveling to just fend for themselves you know so I really found that very interesting but something else that I want to touch on about you is what was probably these when I say it's scary but I mean in terms of you know you were going to this place and you were just like kind of anxiety riddle because you didn't know what to expect what was that place for you um that was definitely the UAE so I was in college and I had no plans to study abroad actually because I traveled I tried to travel so much on spring breaks and summer breaks I didn't think I needed to study abroad because I was like I already travel like what's the point I can just go by myself if I want to go somewhere but I just fell into an opportunity like a scholarship to go to Dubai for a year by myself and I had done research about Dubai, but it was 2016. And they, I think they had just had a huge fire in an apartment building or something like that was the only thing on the news. So when I tried to Google information about the country, all I saw was this thing on this fire. I'm like, Oh, my God, this just sounds like just there's like chaos there. And I don't even know how this fire got started. Like it was just it just the media helps you blow things out of proportion so much. And it was hard to find information about people who just live daily lives there. So when I got on the plane to go there, I was had so much anxiety. I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know what the weather would be like or where I would be living. And when I was applying 
for the scholarship, like talking to the school, they were just kind of like, yeah, come out here. And I was like, can I get some more information? They're like, yeah, come out here. I'm like, this is so sketchy. Like, uh, please don't let me die out here. Uh, like, I had no idea. But I went out there and it was the best experience of my life. Truly the best ever. I had made the best friends from all over the world, like Nigerian friends and Pakistani and Filipino and Irish and British and just everyone. It's like a huge melting pot there. And the city is gorgeous and so safe, ridiculously safe. I I would move back in two seconds if someone gave me a visa. I just absolutely loved it. But it's so funny how terrified I was to go there. And then now it's my favorite city in the world. In terms of meeting people from different yeah. countries, do you think that, how was your experience with that? Because I know sometimes that might be a big fear of why people don't travel. They're like, oh, I'm not going to know anybody and I'm not an extrovert. So me just being able to communicate with people is not easy for me. So how would you give people advice mm. on that? Yeah, I definitely consider myself an introvert. So I like being around people, but I don't like the pressure of talking to them. <laughs> so, so if I could be in a party and no one just people just like be nice to me and like ask me questions, but not like put me on the spot, that's my preferred. I just like to hang out. So I can definitely understand how it would be anxiety ridden to stay in a hostel or to stay in a place where you have to ask people for help. I definitely understand that. Um, but I just try to remember that what I'm feeling most other people are feeling like I'm not the only one who is anxious to meet new people. Like usually when you meet someone else at like a party or something and you say, Oh, do you know anyone here? And they say, Oh no, do you? And you say no. And you're both like, Oh wait, we both are just as equally as nervous and terrified. And now we're best friends. And that's pretty much how <laughs> it is to travel. Like no one has any idea what they're doing. Everyone is just trying to have a good time, but also trying not to be awkward. Like once you do it enough times, you realize that everyone's normal. So now, if someone's weird or, I mean, I literally think about what's the worst case scenario that someone's going to be like, oh, don't talk to me. Okay. <laughs> next. Who's next? Like, then they're probably normal too. Like, we just get these ideas in our head that no one's going to like us, whether we're traveling or not. And traveling is a good way to force yourself to to realize that pretty much everyone is nice and, and wants to help you or just at least to meet you and have a good time too. So I know you do these opportunities that mm -hmm. you put on your social media pages, but I just wanted to talk about that a little more because I realized a lot of people don't even realize some of the opportunities that are available. Because even when I've done things in the past, so I would go to, I went to YMS, which is the Youth Marks and Shakti Conference and happens in New York. Mm -hmm. And when I went, people were like, what is that? What is this? And you speak about research a lot in mm -hmm. everything that you do. And I think people don't realize that's like one of the biggest functions of the internet, not just social media. And yeah. And I really want us to touch on that because there's so many exactly. things available that so, people don't know um, I won my first scholarship to pay for my tuition, like my college tuition when I was in high school. So I was 16 years old. And that kind of opened the world to me that I was like, dang, there are really companies out there that just want to give you money for free and they don't need you to work for them. Or like, there's just really companies out there that have to give you money. So that was my first peek into it. And then I won um, that scholarship to go to Dubai. And that was huge. It paid for my entire year in Dubai. I didn't have to pay any money out of pocket. And that just 
like they're just handing the money away. So when I graduated, I really wanted to keep looking into opportunities, not just for students, because I know people know that scholarships for school exist while you're in school, but there is an entire range of opportunities. Like you said, there's there's leadership conferences, there's fellowships, there's internships, there's uh, like cultural immersion trips that people will just pay you to go on. Like there are so many opportunities that I didn't know existed and I'm the research queen. So I know that the normal person who doesn't obsess over researching. <laughs> Let's talk about these cultural immersion trips because I did not know about those. Yeah. So one of them that I'm hosting. So yeah, like I said, um, I definitely wanted to keep looking for these opportunities. So now I host them on my Instagram and my blog. So I'll post hopefully Mm -hmm. every day, but I try at least to do weekly and just post opportunities. So one of them is cultural immersion trips. There's a trip uh, opportunity that's due today. So if anyone happens to hear this today, you can hop on it. Uh, And it's just a (laughs) cultural immersion trip to Japan. So the government of Japan will pay for you Wherever you are in the world, any citizenship, they'll fly you out to Kyoto and Osaka in Japan. And I think it's four days of na- like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Oh, yeah. I'm applying to Sorry? That one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm applying to that one. So exactly. So they'll fly yeah. you out and from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., they'll they give you cultural immersion. So it's like they teach you how to make tea and pour tea and about like Japanese culture and about what it means to be Japanese and honor and all this stuff. So, and then they'll follow you home. Like they pay for everything. And it's kind of, I can get how it's kind of suspicious. Like, why are they doing this? Like, do that? Are they, are they spies? Like, are they wanting to work for them? Like, what is the catch? But there's no catch. Honestly, that's their job as a tourism board to get people interested in Japan. And you're just kind of free marketing for them. So uh, yeah, I'll take a free trip to Japan to like get pictures taken of me. Like, sure. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And I, just, I think people are kind of suspicious of them and they're like, oh, I won't win them. Or like, what's the catch? I'm like, go for it, please, please. <laughs> you just said something really important, which is go for it. Because I feel like even though we mm. see all these things happening, we're still so hesitant yeah. to try it ourselves. And because uh, I was looking at flights to Cuba actually before we called because Jamaica's actually so close to Cuba. But I don't know if you know, but interregional travel in the Caribbean is madness. Like it's crazy. And I can't even go home to Trinidad regularly because it's like $600 really? wrong trip from Trinidad to Jamaica. Yeah, because the taxes in the Caribbean is insane. And a lot of people in the Caribbean actually don't visit other Caribbean countries because it's so expensive. Like it's easier to like fly to Miami or fly to New York than to fly to St. Lucia or to fly to Bahamas. Wow. So anyway, so that's actually something very interesting. But yeah, and I was looking at Cuba and I'm like, wow, I actually really, really want to visit Cuba. And I was like, then I thought about like, I'm going to probably do it by myself because I don't know, I don't know how my friends would be down to just say, yeah, let's just go to Cuba. And then I remember the whole solo traveling thing that's been happening on Twitter this week because I don't know if you follow <laughs> Wano, but Wano was talking about it and she had actually booked a flight to Cuba recently. And I was like, no, this yeah. is a sign. Because <laughs> like, I've always wanted to go. And then I was just like, you know, I'm probably just going to go by myself. And I think people are adverse to that because, of course, you're scared or you're unaware mm-hmm. of what could happen. And I actually when I got my internship in the States, I literally moved to Atlanta by myself. I didn't know anybody in Atlanta. I just got it and I was like, I'm going to do this. And 
kind of stayed with a family that I lived in their house, but it was so nice. They were wonderful people. Yeah. And I know those things did you see them like in movies, really, when you're from the Caribbean. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting that people open up your home open up their home to you. And I was there for like maybe two months and it was a great experience and did almost every single touristy thing you can do in Atlanta, like hiked up the mount, everything. And I think I, even though I'm not some kind of avid traveler yet, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that it's still important to just share that story because, of course, the main concern is this, I can't afford it. I don't know anybody. I don't have anybody to go with. So if you were to answer or debunk, as you say on your blog, mm-hmm. those three questions, how would you respond? Uh, so you said, I don't know anyone. I can't afford it. What was the last one? Oh, yeah. Um I think so to maybe answer all three at once, it's so easy to think of reasons not to do something, right? And it's so easy to make myself. a list of reasons why you shouldn't like ask that guy on a date or like you shouldn't like apply to that job or like you shouldn't like in life in general. It's so easy to make the list of why we shouldn't do things. But I think we mm-hmm. should focus on the list of why we should do something like, okay, maybe it's not going to be easy to afford it, but let's be like realistic. You can't afford it if you don't go out to eat as much or if you save your money or if you get a second job for two months like if you mow those lawns like we have to stop being so black and white like oh I can't afford it I'm not going to do it or I've never done it before I've never traveled by myself before so I'm never going to do it you are like only limiting yourself and you're only stopping your own greatness by by like giving yourself these rules like who's giving yourself who's making these rules I guess you can (laughs) I'm like I want people to stop making these rules for themselves because it's only like harming yourself so if you say you've never traveled before guess what you should probably try it go and now you can say okay if you don't like it you don't have to ever do it again but you don't know if you don't like it until you do it so try it to the next town or to the next island or to the next country just once if there's like a cheap flight take the opportunity to just try it and usually people are surprised. And if you say you can't afford it, I totally understand. But like I said, usually you can't afford it if you sacrifice other things. Or there's probably a travel grant opportunity out there that you can research. And there's probably some tourism board somewhere that will fly you out there for free. Like you just have to be creative. And it honestly comes down to wanting it. Like if you want to make excuses why you can't afford it or you can't go or you're scared or your mom won't let you go or your foot doesn't fit in the right shoe to get on the right airplane. Like you can make a, <laughs> a list of excuses. It doesn't matter. If you want to do it, you'll find a way. So once you have that will, like once you decide, okay, I want to do it. How can I just know that there are tons of people out there who want to help you like execute and actually do it. So once you decide you want to do it, there's people out there who are going to help you out. So just decide. So true. <laughs> So I want to ask you, what's your next destination? Yeah, people ask me that all the time. And I feel like I disappoint them when I say I have no idea. Like, yeah, I never have any idea. So, for example, this last trip I went on was to the U.S. Virgin Islands. I went to St. Thomas and St. John. And my friend and I, just that Monday, we I texted her. I saw your stories and I was like, this is. Yeah, so I texted her and I was like hey, it's my birthday weekend. So do you want to go on a trip? And I know this friend is always down. She's like, yeah, like, where do you want to go? When? I was like, 
what if we just drive to the airport and just take a flight to anywhere? And that's, I mean, it's literally that. I wake up and I'm like, oh, I have a weekend free. Like, I should do something. And I have the money. And it's like the stars align. And I'm like, okay, I should go, I should go somewhere. Um, so who knows? I mean, I'm doing a trip to the Forbes 30 into 30 Summit, which is in Detroit. That's next month. And I'm speaking at uh, mm -hmm. the Hostels International USA. It's like a hostel organization. They're having a study abroad conference. So I'm speaking at that in New York. And my next for sure, for sure, big trip will probably be New Year's Eve. I always travel for New Year's Eve. Like I have to. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I've done New Year's Eve in like Australia and Dubai and New York. And, yeah, wow. I have to. <laughs> That's my one weakness. Where did you go last year? Colombia. I was in Cartagena. Wow. Yeah, that was awesome. Great weather. Great dancing. So I have another question. So in terms of just, you've been to like over 20 places so mm -hmm. far. Do you think that the whole traveling process has gotten redundant for you or has it just made you love it even more? I really feel like travel is just living for me. So the same way people drive to work or call their moms, like traveling is just my way that I experience life. So no, it never, it will never get boring for me. It will never, I will never be like, Oh, I think I just want to stay in this one place forever. Like I, I absolutely love it. And Every time I go somewhere, even if I'm tired from life and I just want to lay on a beach somewhere, like there's always something more to learn and more to do. So, no, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what was your favorite part of the globe to visit? Um, that's also a question I get a lot, and it's hard to answer because I have like different types of favorites. I have favorite food, favorite place to live, like live in, like. Um, so I say my favorite place that I would like to live in again was definitely Dubai. My favorite, um, one of my favorite cities I visited so far is Stockholm. I would definitely recommend if someone has the chance to go to Stockholm, Sweden in the summer, not in the winter. It's very international and like just everyone's so nice and clean and very European and the men are tall. <laughs> very important. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So if there was one place that you can visit right now, where would it be? Uh, I I would probably go to Chile. Um Santiago, Chile. Right. Um just because I I haven't visited the uh, South America that much. I've only been to Colombia, so I definitely want to visit it more. Um, it seems like just how it's expensive to fly around the Caribbean. It's so expensive to fly from the U.S. to South America, even though we're like closer than here in Europe. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely go. I think I would go to Chile because I've heard it has great dancing. It has great food. And it's just the men are tall. Like what else is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm simple like that, man. <laughs> so in terms of overcoming hurdles as a blogger especially like a black female blogger and just 
breaking any glass ceilings in terms of sharing your voice. Mm-hmm. How do you combat that in terms of just getting your story across and getting your brand across? I definitely think there's a revolution going on, um, going on right now for black travel bloggers and especially black female travel bloggers. I think 80% excuse me, 80% of travel bloggers right now in the space are female um, and maybe 40% are black. Um, so in general, women are fighting for our right to be paid equally to men it's because even though there's only 20% men, they get paid like twice as much as females do in general. And then from that population of females, black women get paid five times less on average than white travel bloggers. So right now, honestly, black travel creatives are pissed and we're like, we finally hit the rock bottom where we're like, we're going to get paid what we want. So um, at TBEX, which is a travel blogging conference that just happened in Billings, Montana, I think there was a travel blogger named uh, Annette who spoke up against this uh, white male influencer who was on stage talking about how women can't be taken seriously if they post bikini photos and she's yeah it's ridiculous like he was like you you may be smart but as soon as you post a bikini I stop listening and she yeah she I'm so happy that she stood up and was like why do you stop taking women seriously if they're a bikini like maybe that's your problem and not an industry problem and just things like that just standing up at conferences and making it known that what people are saying are not okay and when a brand works with influencers, emailing them and making sure that they say, like, making sure you ask, hey, how many, how much diversity are you having on this campaign? Is it going to be, are there any black travel bloggers? Are there any Asian? Like, confronting them is basically the only reason, the only way that we can have change. And I am so for that, like, make our voices known and make them know that we see what they're doing and we're done with it. And yeah, just being vocal at the beginning, everyone, like, people are probably going to be resistant to change but we're mark like we are the content creators we do the work so if you want us to keep doing the work you're going to pay us right and you're going to represent us right so in terms of getting information of how you should be paid because i'm on both sides Mm -hmm. in terms of i'm at an agency Mm -hmm. so like i see the back end in terms of a budget and then working with influencers uh, Mm -hmm. for x brand and then on the content side in terms of creating it and seeing your evaluation how do you go about because i know there are especially it's weird it's funny so some influencers will preview and help you in terms of this is how much you should ask for x or this is this type of email etiquette and a lot of times that doesn't happen like people don't like to share and that's something that i really really detest because Mm -hmm. i'm not trying to keep anybody else down Mm -hmm. so how do you go about that especially like in a competitive area like states and working with bigger brands yeah that's a good question i i personally see it as when one of us wins like when one of us gets paid right then we all get paid right it can only help the industry so i'm definitely in the business of sharing how much i got paid for a campaign with someone else who's on the same campaign with me like i have no problem telling them how much i got paid or asking them how much they got paid because if there's a big difference and we're doing the same content, like we deserve to know and the brand is yeah. needs to be paying us the same. So I don't know. I'm, I'm of the mind that what good does it do me to be paid twice as much as someone else who looks like me and is doing the same work when next time I could be the one getting paid half as much and no one tells me like, how does it help the industry? So um, in terms of asking what I think I'm worth, 
Um, I'm pretty transparent. Like, just like you said, you're on both sides of the brand and the organization. So I just know that they're normal people just like me. And if they have a budget, that's literally all they can pay. And that's, that's just, these are just the facts. Like you can't argue with them and be like, no, find another thousand dollars. If they have that (laughs) amount of money, that's all they have. So, um, I'm pretty open. I'm just, I will just be like, Hey, what's your budget? Um, maybe I can't do a hundred percent of what I offered at the beginning, but I can definitely hit your key points of what you need to do. And maybe I can suggest, uh, another person, if this campaign's not for me, like one of my friends or another one, I, another person I know in the space who could, who is at that rate right now. Like, I just know that they're normal people and they have jobs just like I do. And at the end of the day, they want good work and I want to pay for rent. So we just got to work exactly. it out. <laughs> like, we just got to work it out. Like they're normal people. Like they, they get it. Um, mm-hmm. It just, it sucks when you do get that one person who's trying to hustle you or, con you or whatever and I'm sure there are bloggers who try to con agencies and agencies try to con blogger like the more open and honest we are and like more human we are the less of that there there will be Mm -hmm. so what has been one of the biggest challenges or hurdles you face trying to break into the travel industry as a blogger um for me I think it's really just time like working a nine to five and being a full-time blogger is not easy especially at 24 when I want to have a social life and friends still it's just it's time management and it's sacrifice and it's prioritization and it's just like I have to I feel like I'm like a 40 year old making these hard decisions when I'm just right. 24 and, <laughs> and I just away. <laughs> yeah I just want to be like hanging out with my friends doing hood ratchet but like <laughs> you can't if you want like you can't cry over the plate that you have on when you were begging for when you were begging for it last year like I was begging for these opportunities that I have now so I can't mm-hmm. be ungrateful but it is it's just it is a lot so I would say time <laughs> How do you say you balance that time in terms of, because I have a nine to five too, mm-hmm. and how do you balance your content creation and your passion projects with work? I luckily am able to multitask pretty well. So I will wake up at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. and work on like emails and um, schedule emails to be sent out later that day and reply to emails and all that stuff. And then I'll voice note. So I'll use a voice to text app like Evernote and just talk the articles that I want to write later, like talk them out. So most of the hard work is done. It's just in a voice message. Um, And I'll do that on the way to work too. I have like a 30 minute drive to work. So I'll just talk out some articles. I'll work nine to five on my lunch breaks, I'll try to answer emails and do any calls I have to do. And then I'll come home. And since it's daylight hours still, I work from six to three. So at 3 p.m., I'll record any videos I need to record and like update my Instagram. And after that, I'll I'll usually be social from like six to eight p.m., like two hours a day. I'll be like, hey, friends, like, how are you doing? Like, Let's FaceTime. <laughs> yeah that's my that's my work week and then after like 8 p.m to 10 p.m I think I'll do more blog stuff um that's so that's Monday through Friday and then on the weekends like today I slept in until 9 or 10 and now I'm doing this like I'll do um some blog stuff until 3 and then I don't know I try to relax on the weekends like 3 to like I go to sleep I just watch tv or just hang out so it's multitasking and it's 
making a weekly schedule so I know what things have to get done and what things can maybe get pushed off till next week. Like, I don't know. You know, I just love it and I (laughs) want to be successful. So it's mostly like, I feel like a zombie that's like powered by sheer will right now. Like I just have to do it. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm hoping it gets easier. (laughs) So one thing I want to ask as well is what advice have you gotten just randomly on any of your trips that stuck with you forever like life advice yeah or anything um hmm what conversations have I had on my travels that stuck (laughs) um I don't know I met this one guy when I was in Amsterdam um we, I was just walking around a museum and I ran into him and he was local and I was talking to him and um, just hearing about how different my life is from other people's like I'm that's one thing uh, I have on my blog is a series called the Young Travelers Network interview series where I interview young travelers and it's just I do that series the same reason I talked to this guy it's just it's just astounding how different our lives are like we were talking about our families and I told him my parents are divorced. Um, and he was like, what? Like, people do not get divorced here. Like, that would never happen. I can't believe that's normal. And he was talking about how he eats, like, these, I don't what, I don't remember what he was talking about. He, he said he ate this, like, one meal every day. And I was like, what the heck? I would what? never eat that. Like, how, how did that even become your life? And just, yeah, you just, you're so much more appreciative and, like, patient once you realize that people are not raised the same way that you are. And people have different expectations and assumptions than you. And like, it's just, you can never assume anything. People, people are raised so differently with different resources and money and parenting styles and religions. And like, it's just, it's awesome, but it's also humbling to hear that. Okay. And just to wrap up, Mm -hmm. what's one piece of advice that you would give to anybody who wants to travel? So my life's motto is seek risk, seize opportunity, and see the world. And that's my advice. Like, it's not easy, and it's not always fun, and it's not always profitable, and it's not always, it's not always like sunshine and rainbows, but just go for things. Just put your name in the hat. Just put yourself in the room. Just show up to that random event that you signed up for three months ago and you don't want to go because no one's there like just show up like it will only make you a stronger person um and the best things in my life have come to me just showing up and being in a room and talking to someone and realizing that I have a lot more to offer than I even think I do so if you don't believe in yourself just show up and someone else will believe in you for you (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I want to thank you so much for being on your podcast and just sharing your experiences. It's been amazing talking to you. And I just want you to leave your handles so people can check yeah. out. Yeah, I had a great time. Thank you so much, Alexia. This is awesome. And you can find me on every social media platform at PaxLight, P-A-C-K-S-L-I-G-H-T, I'm on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and probably TikTok, even though I don't know how to use it. So you can find me, hit me up, email me. I'm happy to help anyone travel. That's what my goal is. Travel, travel. (laughs)
All right. Bye, guys.